Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. Turns out Foster's isn't Australian for beer. It's actually Japanese for we own this beer now. Uh, and that's fine because Australia has its own distinct beer they can call its own. Uh, the Australian Sparkling Ale. We're going to discuss that today and maybe an Australian brewery if you can find the time. So grab your knife. No, that's not a knife. That's You know what? Never mind. Uh, instead, let's just have a drink. Can't believe it. Put a shrimp on the boat. <laughs> Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Wow, it really feels like it's been a month since we last spoke. Uh, it might as well have been. Because it, it was really a yeah. month since we've done this in-studio spiel. Oh yeah, last time we were together. Yeah, we did, we did back-to-back weeks, recording-wise. And then that leads to like a month of a month in between of just just messing everything up. <laughs> it's, it's fine. We know we know everything goes, and that's why we're going to be perfect. Hey, and oh no, I hit mute. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, we uh, we do have a topic to get into though, so uh, jump that way. Been up that truck. Yeah, today we are talking about the uh, Australian sparkling ale, which I had to look up when it came up in the, the episode drawing list if that was actually a thing. <laughs> I was like, that, no, that can't be right. I don't nope, remember no, us even is. coming up with the, <laughs> with the subject. Uh, mm, popped up, so here we are. Uh, now the, uh, Australian, uh, uh, this one is, you know, there aren't a lot of beers that you can think of that have a style later in Australia. Uh, but Australian brewing practices pre-Europe, uh, is sadly completely lost to history. Mm. There's little doubt some sort of brewing took place and we can guess on the face of, uh, face of uh, Australia's remoteness, that indigenous grains and other fermentables, such as honey, were used extensively. But no recipes have survived, so we don't really know. I'm going to assume some chicha stuff was going on. (laughs) You're a monster. (laughs) That's what spices up my Saturday night. A little (laughs) chicha action. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a a fetish category. (laughs) has to be actually right up there with grapefruiting <laughs> chicha your man 
Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> there you go. See? Oh. Welcome. Welcome to what I feel every time. Oh, he just, you just had to do it. You wanted someone to, to visualize that. Mm-hmm. I had someone to know my pain. Oh. Not that someone does that to me, but that's what Chicha <laughs> viscerally makes me think of. Anyway, um, brewing history that we do know about in Australia uh, dates back to the beginning of the British colonization. Uh, in 17, uh, 1770, when Captain James Cook, not Hook, uh, landed uh, the HMS Endeavour in Botany Bay. Botany Bay? <laughs> Come you knew it was coming. You knew it. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, Captain Cook and his crew used brewing beer as a clever means to preserve drinking water and to protect themselves against scurvy. I didn't realize you could that beer can help prevent scurvy. No. Well, yeah, you, yeah, the extra vitamins and minerals. It's mostly vitamin C. Is there a lot of vitamin C in beer? Depending on what you're using to brew. I guess. And now all I'm thinking of is like, hmm, that means I'm being healthy right now. If it's a blue moon. <laughs> well, I didn't say if they were using yeah, honey, yeah. apparently honey freaking oh, yeah. cures cancer or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> honey cures cancer in the same way that a toddler might fight against Mike Tyson. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Futurama jokes. Uh, all episodes chock full of them. Oh, yeah. Uh even though beer was introduced uh, introduced to the country uh, during the British colonization, it was mostly used by sailors and didn't gain popularity until the 18th century. Until the introduction of beer, Australia's drink of choice was rum. Rum was so popular in the early colony, it was basically money. It could honestly be used as a semi-currency for, uh, for a long time. You could just trade back and forth. Like, I will, you know, it, it barter system with only one one main item i will give you one rum for three sheep so I will, i'll give you a case of rum for a thousand acres of land sold, sold. uh <laughs> what are you gonna do with that land i don't know we got a lot of it though uh make rum make rum uh no i don't think australia is the right environment to make rum no no it's not <laughs> no sugar cane Sure, cane bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, it could be used semi currency for a long time. The unrestricted consumption of rum by people from all walks of life and ages, including children, resulted in drunkenness. Uh, it became a. You don't say. Uh, it became a serious epidemic that caused the streets to be intoxicated and flood the jails with convicts. They were convicts when they got there. Yeah. So you're a double convict. Well, okay, so no, they weren't all convicts. That's the there were the guards who had to watch them. It's not like they were just turned loose on the island, like with no <laughs> fence. Like yeah, they were penal colonies, but there were a lot of them. True, but I do like the idea of them just like <laughs> English ships watching washing up on shore, putting down the gangway, just like get off. All right, back to ship up. We're leaving these guys here. <laughs> like Lord of the Flies or something. <laughs> They come back, like, how'd you build this opera house? I don't know, man. <laughs> Left us here with a lot of devices. <laughs> that's that to me, that's the entirety of Australian history. That being absolutely terrifying in most world wars. Except when giant birds are involved. Look, that is just... the emu war. I said in world wars. 
and then they completely fall apart and can't fight birds <laughs> and lose horrifically. Those those emus are dynamite. Not everybody can be Finland. We can't risk another full frontal assault. Not everyone can be Finland, but the uh, Australia. Well, I mean, it depends. It could have also been an incident where uh, uh, England took all the best uh, Australian troops, as they were wont to do, yeah. and dropped them somewhere else and go. You fight them. Who do we have left back in the back in the home country? Uh, four blokes and a <laughs> and a ten year old with a hat. So, anyway, uh, the government wanted to, uh, to start to reduce drunkenness, started promoting, promoting beer as a healthier, safer alternative to rum. Eh, sure. Government getting in and messing with things. <laughs> government. Slapping, government took in my rum. Slapping that nipple on the, uh, on the beer. Look, it's good for the kids. Uh we're about to get into a running gag uh, in the the history of brewing in uh, uh, in Australia. But in the 18th century, John Boston, a former convict, became Australia's first brewer who brewed a beverage from Indian corn made bitter using love apple stalks. I don't know what that is. What? Love apples. Hmm. Mm. That's uh. I'm not gonna go type that into Urban Dictionary. Right I now. God. <laughs> Baby holding an apple. Tomatoes. Uh, Love apples are tomatoes. That's what Wikipedia is saying. That has to be like some. uh, Has to be some kind of like. Is that like just like an Australia only thing? Is that a. Let's see. The other one is some sort of fruit from India, which may be closer to. That's. Maybe. Yeah, because I mean, in theory, like that. That would be an easy, easier import t- for them than some other places. So, uh, uh, so who wants who okay. wants the Urban Dictionary? <laughs> oh no! I don't know. I do. <laughs> what? What's it say? You just ruined your search. Like your Google. Okay. It's not that bad. It just says another term for breasts. Oh. <laughs> Well, I mean, no. that's a given. And then, uh, like, that's the only one. Because the other, like, one of the backup ones is just says, otherwise known as a tomato. <laughs> well, that one's just boring now, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> a love apple refers to a hickey on your Adam's apple. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, Urban Dictionary failing me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, this uh, beverage that he made using love apple stalks and mm. Indian corn... Uh, we said to have uh, more beer, uh, to have more beer qualities than those of ale. Uh, James Lara, uh, also an ex-convict, uh, opened up Australia's first pub, the Mason Arms, in 1796. They're really not just, you know, getting rid of the stereotype that <laughs> yeah. early Australia were just convicts. I mean, like <laughs> Australian. Maybe that's that's the appropriate another Australian would be the appropriate uh, phrasing there. Again, they just backed up the ship, pushed them <laughs> off the boat, and then kicked it in the drive because that's how sail ships work. Ex-con, Australian for citizen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry uh, to everyone that just. Offended. They just called uh, Con Air uh, in the Australian release just Australian Air. I was going to say, is this why Mad Max is stationed yes. there? Is it set in Australia? <laughs> it is. Yes. It the is. first oh. one, is, yeah. The first one is is clearly just 
and Australia after something has like some sort of government collapse, but th- just everyone else took it as it's just Australia. It's just what it's like all the time. <laughs> because they never, there's no word of outside of Australia. Like throughout the whole series of Mad Max, they're just like, the world's falling apart. And it's like, how would you know? You're just, you're trapped on a giant island. Uh, but anyway, uh, the first legal pub was the Mason Arms in 1796, uh, Parramatta, a few months after the government started issuing licenses for alcohol sales. So, uh, unfortunately, dependable supplies, uh, supply lines, and the hotter environment took prospective brewers to task, trying to brew an English-style ale uh, in this environment before any type of refrigeration was too big an obstacle for brewers to overcome. Inevitably, Australian beer soon fell under the stigma of subpar product and despised, uh, despite heavy government support uh, to the burgeoning industry, faltered. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they don't, they, you know, they don't have like some alpine cave to go log or something in. It's like, what are we going to do with this beer? You take it out in the outback. I feel like that's a bad idea. <laughs> Look, we don't you need imagine the, can- the taste. We don't need I- the kangaroos getting into that. <laughs> and the seventeen hundred deadly snakes. You need the, the the coolest place we can put this this keg. Open up that kangaroo's pouch. Just <laughs> throwing joeys out and shoving kegs in. <laughs> uh, Sorry, uh, little mate. <laughs> Many of these uh, young breweries closed after only a few short years. Dodgy practices such as adding tobacco or copper sulfate and uh, cocculus indicus uh, on the part of the brewers, more interested in wealth and their product's uh, quality, further blackened the reputation of colonial beer. Uh, Cocculus indicus is a bitter poison, which adds some bitterness to the brew and a a stronger feeling of intoxication to the drinker. It's essentially that that old moonshine thing of just like, oh, what you got in there? I got some rat poison that'll... Give it a kick. Turpentine. Wow. Derp your time. Uh, needless to say, settlers soon were choosing uh, imported beer from other local stuff, such as uh, such was this demand that uh, it seemed to influence how uh, Burton upon Trent na- uh, named and advertised some of their beers by the mid 1800s, heightened the demand. Uh, uh, brought a new beer style that was taking uh, mainland Europe by storm. The lager. Oh, oh, oh. The hot Australian climate played to the lager's strength as a light and very refreshing brew. Which, yeah. Yeah, if I was in Australia, I, I don't think I'd be doing a lot of stouts. Yeah. <laughs> or at least parts of Australia. I There are other parts where it is not quite so oppressively hot. No, they were doing... Pastry stouts in 1800s Australia. Don't you give me that. <laughs> Doing a Midwest fruit tart out in uh, out out there as well. Just mm. that'd be delightful. The Midwest no. of Australia. <laughs> 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 Didn't say where which west it's from. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, much as cream ale and California common were made in response to the popularity of loggers in America, a new ale would arise in Australia. It'll work. <laughs> answering the challenge of this sh- 
I almost said shame. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> this same throne gauntlet. Uh, this new ale was lighter in color and body than the British ales uh, Australian brewers were trying, and in large part failing to duplicate. They could be forgiven. Uh, the federal government introduced a new beer and excise act in 1901 to regulate beer brewing and sales. The provisions mentioned in the act made making and selling of home-brewed beer illegal and caused many breweries to close down. The act, uh, the act forced the remaining breweries to consolidate. I can see that. Uh, the large breweries bought smaller ones. You know, it's like Hatari. That's... <laughs> You say like it's like large breweries about smaller ones. How familiar? Hmm. <laughs> the axe aftermath left only two breweries standing in Sydney: Tooths and Tuies, and Melbourne. Yeah. Tooth, uh, Tooths and Tuies, I guess, is one place. Yeah, and Melbourne. Uh, five breweries merged to give birth to Carlton and United Breweries, and. In 2007? I think this was be 1907. There's a oh, 1907. Okay. 2907. Um, Look, they're going to yeah. do it one day. Uh, uh, within I like a, that idea, though. Of the, you know, the breweries kind of coming together going, I can now form the head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, within a span of 70 years, Australia's brewing industry grew, having given birth to some of the longstanding breweries, like the Cooper's Brewery in 1862, the Carlton Brewery in 1864, and the Foster's Brewery in 1887. Why do you go British? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Foster's Brewery was the first to produce Australia's lager as well as use refrigeration. Oh. Mm. Hmm. So the, they were the fancy ones. Probably why well, we Haven't all... they done well? Yeah, because no. if someone asked you to name a, uh, an Australian brewery, that's going to be it. It, it. it took a lot of restraint on my part. To, to only settle for Paul Hogan references in the intro, by the way, and not to doing anti-Donna references for like 30 minutes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fa- uh, So many of Australia's local breweries remain strong. Strong like bull. Even today, <laughs> such as James Squire, uh, Castle, Maine, XXXX. Sure. Uh, I guess. 4X. <laughs> Foster's <laughs> Law... <laughs> Quarkies. What's what's the fourth X? That's <laughs> uh, there's there's a a, a Discworld joke about this where, like, they they have the unnamed continent they just named X X X X or four X, and it's it's essentially like what does it translate to? Bring more beer. <laughs> oh. So Foster's Lager, uh, Matilda Bay, and many others. Cascade Brewery in Hobart, uh, Tasmania, is Australia's oldest brewery and a noteworthy establishment since its inception in 1824. Embedded within 200 years of brewing history and culture, it is one of Australia's iconic landmarks to date. Uh, Carlton and United Brewers, Breweries, Coopers and Lion are Australia's premium beer producers today. Not Foster. Speaking of Coopers... Diving into Coopers a little bit. Uh, since they are one of the few remaining purely Australian breweries, they make one of the prime examples of the Australian sparkling ale. Let's take a little trip 
into the history of Cooper's Brewery. I almost want to hear the the Wayback Machine starting up from. Uh, yeah, stuff you should know. You're the crappy like rusted engine. Oh, that one. Yeah. Because <clears throat> they always have to make a crack about. Oh yeah, we should check the oil in this thing. Uh, when Casey Thomas was going uh, going old Rocky and Bullwinkle episodes, I believe. Yeah. When Thomas something there. <laughs> when Thomas Cooper used an old family recipe to brew his first batch of ale back in 1862, it would be fair to describe him as a novice craft brewer. Apparently, he'd only intended uh, intended it to be a tonic for his sick wife. But the resulting ale was so flavorsome <coughs> that friends and neighbors soon came to appreciate it for more than just its restorative properties. I, by the way, when it's like flavorsome, all I'm thinking of is uh, that the time Casey told us he he almost like put a wrong number in for like a for like a malt in the bill. He's like, I almost went to flavor country. Yeah, <laughs> forgot to. Oh, that decimal's in the wrong spot. How how much malt did we put in there? All of it. It's like the smoked malt or wherever it was <laughs> oh, supposed to go. Yeah. <laughs> Almost took us to flavor country. I would have I would have bought that entire batch. <laughs> just so you know. We we would have bought it and we would have all drank it just <clears throat> so that mm, couldn't have gone back either. You'd had to keep keep making it <laughs> just for us. Even if it was just like it, if we were drinking it and the reaction was like uh, from Hitchhiker's Guy drinking the Pangalactic Gargle Blaster. And I was like, <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm running into right now at the brewery because <laughs> lagers take six weeks to make, mm-hmm. but a batch is selling out in two weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, You're going to have to make more. <laughs> I mean, that's a fun I, problem I don't to have, have enough tanks for this. <laughs> You're gonna have to use tanks you're using for other things for loggers now. Obviously. So you, you need something. You need an ale to become a hit, so you can just keep cranking that bad boy out. <laughs> we have one, oh, and I yeah. was I was happy with it. And then we made a logger. They were like, "Oh, forget that one." <laughs> I'm gonna go the Australian sparkling ale. Well, as demand for his naturally conditioned ales grew throughout the fledgling colony of South Australia. Thomas Cooper's growing passion for brewing soon became his profession. Hey, we've heard a tale like this before. Before Thomas <laughs> as old as time. <laughs> before Thomas <laughs> passed away, he handed over the reins of the brewery to his four to four of his sons. Four of that means he had more, and so began a proud family tradition that has continued in an unbroken chain of six generations for more than a hundred and fifty years. While we're still using Cooper's original recipe, successive generations of Coopers have made improvements along the way. I would hope so. <laughs> so the yeah, fusion... Uh, hmm? Okay. I, I was going to make a joke about ye old beer uh, is good for an experiment, not good for commercial <laughs> success. Yeah. The fusion of traditional Cooper's brewing methods with cutting-edge production technology has helped us grow our capacity and deliver consistent brew quality and flavor. As a result, uh, they now have the ability to produce naturally conditioned ales and stouts for a global audience with absolute confidence that whenever one of the signature beers is poured, the drinker will enjoy a quality Cooper's brew. But only when it's poured. Yeah. (laughs) Probably. Those bottles ain't making it all the way to the States. (laughs) 
Uh, this marriage of century-old brewing techniques and modern innovation is what makes Cooper's unique in Australia's brewing landscape. Pulled, I pulled that straight from their, that section about them straight from their, their site. Because I was like, oh, let's see what they have to say. And now, let's see what other people have to say. And yeah. So it gets, it gets annoying when that's usually the only source we can find. When it's like, oh, we need we need history about it, and it's like straight from the horse's mouth, and you're like, I feel this is a bit biased. Yeah, well, it's it, you know, it's it's the problem you run into. You know, one of the best sources for for you know Caesar's you know conflict with the 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 Gallic the Gaelic people or is is Caesar. Unfortunately, <laughs> you're pretty sure he's lying. Yeah, you're like. Pretty sure this is painted one color just to uh, make the <laughs> other look a certain way. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, to the victor go the storylines. Do is the do I get this part? Do I read this part? You you can. <laughs> okay. Just as apologies for the amount of financial talk that's about to go on. <laughs> You're about to be tired of the word shares by the end of this. Probably. Because um, once I hear financial talk, I'm just like, and I'm dead. Um, yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> there had been much consolidation of brewers or breweries in South Australia since Cooper's was established, and the South Australian mm-hmm. Brewing Company and Cooper's and Sons were the only breweries remaining in Adelaide, as both were attractive takeover targets in 1962. After 100 years of Cooper family sole ownership the two companies decided to do a mutually beneficial share swap in order to reduce the risk of takeover. Sure. The traditional South Australian market leader had been the South Australian Brewing Company. Makes sense. The share swap gave SA Brewing a 25% interest in Coopers, and Coopers received 291,404. That's really... Okay. Uh, S.A. Brewing Shares. That's like a really specific number. Um, So it's 2.65%. The Cooper's Board of Directors was increased from 4 to 5, with S.A. Brewing Shares having the right to elect the fifth director. After consulting the S.A. Brewing Board and receiving their product, Cooper's sold their S.A. Brewing Shares in 1984 at a substantial profit. S.A. Brewing continued to hold their 25% interest in Cooper's. So now we're getting into takeover territory soon. (laughs) Merges and acquisitions, my favorite topic. (laughs) Oh yeah. It gets me hot. Well, like this gets interesting just for the, the, the fact of how usually some of these things can go. They, they took a different tact. Um, so SA brewing holdings subsequently diversified into manufacturing and wine and then refocused to form South Corp, South Corp Wines and SA Brewing, of course. So SA Brewing was acquired by Trans Tasman Lion Nathan in 1993. After two years of negotiations in 1995, family members purchased all of the D-class shares, long-term investment shares, with their right to elect a director and some of the C-class shares, short-term investment shares, and Cooper's Brewing Limited purchased the remainder of the C-class shares. So, uh, this is like a lesson in stock market stuff. Well, just one of those, like, <laughs> as as they kind of saw, like, someone coming in going like, hmm, well, now that we have 
this company. We have part of yours. We would like to. No, no, no. We're just buying the shares. Here, take some money and just <laughs> piss off. <laughs> you get no say. Yeah, which is kind of a nice change of pace from. Yeah. I welcome your big dumb trucks of money. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Today's standard. Thus, uh, South, it's South Australian, isn't it? South Australian yeah. Brewing had a seat on the Cooper's Board of Directors from 1962 to 1995. But in 95, the Cooper family once again became sole owners of the company. In 2001, the brewery relocated to much larger premises at Regency Park. Since 2003, the Regency Park Brewery has used a gas turbine-based co-generation uh, co plant to supply steam and electric power requirements. Fired with natural gas with a thermal efficiency of 80%, the $6.2 million plant produces power with a 90% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Nice. The plant is operated by AGL Energy and is rated 4.4 MW? Megawatts. Megawatts. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, I've never, I don't know why I've never actually just seen the, the MW out. Um, generation above the brewery's electrical load of 1.2 megawatts is fed back into the grid. Yeah, dad electrical load. <laughs> uh, in late 2005, Lion Nathan made an unsolicited takeover bid for Cooper's, which was strongly opposed by the board and by the Cooper family. It was ultimately rejected at an extraordinary general meeting when the holders of 93.4% of the shares voted in favor of permanently removing the third-tier <laughs> purchasing rights of Lion Nathan, effectively preventing any current or future takeover bid. They, the, the, that company keeps trying to come in there like, we would like to buy you. Stop it. <laughs> Stop. Wow. Um, also, I, I can't get out, I can't get the, like, current situation of weird buyout things in my like the the elon musk and twitter thing i just can't like that's all i've been reading about uh um so Pull your head out of that like just i know come I, up for air and don't look at that again until it's done i i generally well, when i see elon musk's name on something anymore i go i don't care well it's just from dtns like, like, yeah, like, they, they did the thing with the timeline i don't know i liked uh if you follow the lord of the rings memes subreddit uh, they took the pictures of him shirtless on his yacht and uh, pasted it into the Hobbit movies when they see the pale orc. <laughs> so you see that, like, glowing pale musk off in the background. Like, I thought you were going to say, like, the, the, the beacons are lit and Gondor calls for aid. I mean, yeah, that's, that too. That's my legs right now. All right. Uh, on 9th of March, 2017... Cooper's Brewery launched a limited edition premium beer in both can and carton uh, to commemorate the bicenten bicentenary bicentenary of the Bible Society. I have no idea exactly what the Bible Society is, All but right. this just led to a, a weird, <laughs> a weird social snafu that they had to deal with, which I thought was just mildly entertaining. All right, public outcry arose over the use of the Cooper's Brewery branded beer in a video of the Bible Society debate over the issue of same-sex marriage. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Cooper's Brewery issued two statements on the 12th of March 2017 in response to the backlash and also posted a tweet saying they were not trying to push a religious message. Various venues in Melbourne and Sydney subsequently announced they would no longer be stocking Cooper's beers. 
On March 14th, Coopers issued a further statement and accompanying video declaring they were canceling the release of the Bible Society commemorative cans and joining Australian marriage equality. On 15th March, the Bible Society replaced the original video of the debate between federal MPs Tim Wilson and Andrew Hasty, Hasty? Sure. Uh, with a four-second clip advising, quote, we have decided to remove this video. Thank you for your understanding. <laughs> I find this kind of funny just because it's like, I can't picture any any religious group in America being like, oh, we want a beer released. We want a commemorative mm. beer can release. Yeah, that's very, yeah, it. well, that's very not here. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> that said, America has a very strong puritanical part to their religious thing. So. Well, wait. I mean, you've got you've got the the monastery breweries. Yeah, you but that's do, not really looked at the same way here not, than it is elsewhere. But not doing a that, commemorative canning. <laughs> and also, um, so well, since the news show is gone, let's talk. Well, you, we were at the fact that stateside, we've lost Spencer. It's gone. Yeah. So, so that, that's we like, don't have that. Pour one out for your homies, and if you can find Spencer on a shelf, you best be grabbing it. Yeah. Because we've lost our only Trappist brewery in stateside. Yeah. See, I found Faith American Brewing Company, and I'm kind of wondering what this is. I I feel like it's a rabbit hole you don't want to go down. But <laughs> it, it so I went down like a creepy nationalist route in my mind where I'm like, where it went away from religious and more, you know, nationalist. And I'm like a beer called like Eagle tears. Oh, and it's just like the can eight label is just an Eagle crying. <laughs> and I'm like, what would that be? I don't know why my mind went this way. Why does your mind go that way? But I think it's time we talk about some BJCP stuff. So, the BJCP guidelines for Australian sparkling ale haven't necessarily always been in the BJCP guidelines. Um, it's more of a newer edition instead of some of the older BJCP beers that are out there. Um, I, do know it's, I do know it's in the 2015, and it's in the, the 2021. Yeah, so... I I think it was added in the 2015. That was the first yeah. one. I think that it that was seems... it was in there, and almost as like uh, in a category um, that was sort of a weird catch-all category. It was it was like a hey, we're trying these things out to let us know if they should stick around. They seem to be catching on, mm-hmm. and and the you know it's not in here. I don't think, but the history of that is that you know while. America homebrewing has been pretty strong for 30, 35 years, something like that. Um, my understanding is that Australian homebrewing really has hit its heyday most recently in the past like 10 to 15 years. Um, uh, Cooper's yeast, though, used to be the thing that you got even in the U.S., like you were getting Cooper's yeast. And so Australian and American homebrewers have really come together here in the most most recent times in order to kind of build uh, build a more, hey, we're going to work together, collaborate a little bit more type of atmosphere. When do we get to see the, uh, the, the Broken Throne Australian collaboration? There we go. Hey, let's get some Aussies in here and we'll do it. Um, so Australian sparkling oil has an overall well-balanced pill, 
highly carbonated and refreshing L, suitable for drinking in a hot climate. Should be fairly bitter with a moderate herbal spicy hop and palm fruit profile. Um, the esters from that. Smooth, natural malt flavors with a full body and a crisp and highly attenuated finish. Again, you want it to kind of lift off. You're not looking for imperial stouts on this one. Should have an aroma that is fairly soft and clean with a balanced mix of esters, hops, malt, uh, yeast, all that kind of in a moderate to low intensity. This beer is supposed to be very, very muted and pulled back. Um, the esters are frequently pears and apples, optionally, with a light touch of banana. The hops are earthy, herbaceous, and might show the characteristic iron-like pride of wing, ringwood nose. Pride of ringwood, um, if I'm not mistaken, being the a yeast that came um from from sort of the area. Don't they don't they make animals take pills for that? Uh, yeah, I think so. That's ringworm, um, but not the pride of ringworm. Mm. <laughs> uh, Victoria, Australia, Melbourne. Um, Ringwood is a uh, uh, an area there, and it's a hop actually. Sorry, I was thinking it was the yeast, uh, but it is a hop, a medium to high alpha acid hop. Mm. So, um, oh, I just got a bad mental image. Um, <laughs> what about uh, ringwood on certain parts of the anatomy? Is that why you call oh, it ringwood? You don't <laughs> want a wood that's ringed. <laughs> uh, not typically, no. <laughs> uh, the malt can range from neutral, grainy to moderately sweet to light, bready. No caramel should be evident. Very fresh examples may have a light yeasty and sulfury nose appearance should be deep yellow to light amber in color often a medium gold tall frothy persistent white heads with tiny bubbles noticeable effervescence due to high carbonation brilliantly cl clear um if decanted off of the yeast but typically poured with yeast to have a cloudy appearance not typically cloudy unless yeast roused during the pour however the flavor should be medium to low rounded grainy to bready flavors. Um, initially, it should have a mild to malty sweet, but a medium to medium high bitterness rises mid palate to balance the malt. Caramel flavors are typically absent in the flavor. Uh, highly attenuated gives a dry, crisp finish with a lingering bitterness. Although the body gives the impression of fullness, medium to medium high hop flavor, somewhat earthy and possible herbal resinous pepper resinous. Okay, yes. Uh, peppery and iron-like, but not floral, lasting into an aftertaste. Into the aftertaste. Medium-high to medium-low esters. Stop this before the cat gives you the, the pride of ringwood right there. <laughs> uh Medium-high to medium-low esters, often pear and apples. Banana is optional, but should never dominate. It may be slightly minerally in its flavor or sulfury, especially if the yeast is actually present in that beer. Um, should not be bland, however. I got to say, I really wish I'd had, I'd, I was able to find one of these today because right. I feel like it would be pretty tasty. It mm. sounds like a Pilsner to me. I mean, it sounds like it's, it's, it's in the category of like a, maybe not quite Pilsner because it's going to have a darker color, probably a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit extra kick, but it is probably, I don't know. They, they make a reference to it, be, you know, 
there were references in the research to it, it maybe not in in flavor but in ideology being like the California common and I was like eh, there's probably some some tying ground in that but initially my thoughts were it would be like a pale ale but boost up the amount of carbonation to it yeah so carbonated like a pilsner or one of those highly carbonated beers but pale ale hop aromas and um malt flavors should kind of be there which is fine by me that sounds that sounds great <laughs> uh the mouthfeel should be high to very car very high carbonation giving mouth filling bubbles and a crisp spritzy carbonic bite medium to medium full-bodied beer tending to the higher side if poured with yeast smooth but gassy stronger versions may have but a gassy. light <laughs> may have a light alcohol warmth but lower alcohol versions will not it should be very well attenuated and not have any residual sweetness um, so here's some background on this coopers has been making their flagship sparkling l since 1862 although the formulation has changed over the years presently the beer will have real brilliant clarity uh, if decanted but publicans often pour most of the beer into the glass then swirl the bottle and dump the rest of the yeast in uh, in some bars the bottle is actually rolled along the bar uh, when serving on draft the brewery instructs publicans to invert the keg to rouse the yeast so they are intending you to get that get yeast that in yeast. the I also love the idea like instead of like the 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 cheers thing where like you know they slide the beer down the the bar end to bar to norm at the end <laughs> you just set the bottle down and roll it down the <laughs> like it's Australian cheers that 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 feels like that would be like a fun thing like I'd like a bottle of this sure <laughs> um I need I need Australian norm I need it there are some some beers nah! in, there's some beers in the U.S. that actually, when they deliver the kegs, will deliver them upside down intentionally, yeah. so that whenever you you go to put that keg on, you're intentionally rousing it so, uh, by uh, flipping it. This is hashtag urban artifact. That is actually <laughs> they deliver that instruction. They del all their kegs are delivered upside down, mm -hmm. that, and they that actually hundred percent sense. They recommend you store their cans because they are. After their first year, we're smart, and all their beers are canned instead of bottled, and <laughs> ask you to store it upside down in your fridge, and then before you pour, you just turn it right side up and let it sit for like five minutes, and then pour, mm. just to give yeah. it proper agitation. That's that's probably a good good idea because I keep forgetting that when I buy cans of it, and store I, upside down. Yep, and I have to stop and go like, like I'm like about to start pouring, I go crap, start swirling. It's yeah. like your life depends on it. It's when you're like, there's like two inches of slurry in the bottom of this that need to be diffused <laughs> to the rest of it. Oh, yes, my favorite. An alcoholic slush. <laughs> or, uh, an alcoholic yes. smoothie. Smoothie. There we go. They, they do have uh, uh, Saki Ritas, by the way, now at Void. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. Especially with it being 90 degrees every day, all the time, well, from sunup to sundown. I've not had any yet, but I also keep forgetting that Urban Artifact had a brewer split off kind of in a similar fashion to what happened with Void and started doing fruit wine 
I'm just like, you know what? Any fermentable fruit, I take it from anybody that's worked at Urban Artifact. They got to know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. So that cloudiness appears to still remain, um, even with the modern consumer preference. So they're looking for some cloudiness in that beer. Um, it should always be naturally carbonated. That's the other key, too. So they're not forcing CO2 into it. They're actually carbonating it with, with extra sugars and either spunding or doing something there to, to like get the carbonation level up from that natural carbonation um, or from that natural yeast production uh, of CO2, even in the keg. Um, at a present use L, best enjoyed fresh. Uh, the history of this in, looks to brewing records that show the majority of Australian brewed between the 19th in the brewed in the 19th century was draft triple uh, X mild and Porter L in bottle was originally developed to compete with the imported bottled Pell L's from British breweries, such as baths and younger WM youngers um, monk by the early 20th century. Bottled pale ales went out of fashion, and lighter lager beers went to vogue. Many Australian sparkling and pale ales were labeled as ales, but were actually bottom-fermented lagers with very similar grists to the ales they replaced. So, you know, keep all the malt and everything else the same, but just change the yeast because people like that, and we're not going to say anything about it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's where your import beers from your big traditional brewers are. Not, I wouldn't even say traditional. Your big macro brewers um, are saying, "Oh, this is a." Uh, they'll maybe call it a, a pale, not a pale ale, but they'll maybe call it something that sounds like it should be an ale. And no, it's actually brewed with lager yeast. Yeah. Um, Coopers of Adelaide, South Australia, is the only survivor brewery producing the sparkling ale style. In the 2021 edition of the BJCP style guidelines, um, the ingredients list that it includes are lightly kilned Australian two-row pale malt. Lager varieties may also be used. Some amounts of crystal malt for color adjustment only, so very small percentages, probably in the 2 to 4% range, somewhere in there. Uh, moderate examples use no adjuncts, so no corn, no wheat, no, um, no additional oats, anything like that. Um, cane sugar is used, but it's for priming only. So, so I have a, uh, sorry, there's a, a, a dumb thought for a dumb ad for a malt company that I think someone should use, which is getting crystal malt. And you have a picture of, of, you know, the, the Heisenberg look. I was saying Brian like, Cranston. I think of Brian Cranston with a pork pie hat saying, I'm the malt who knocks. <laughs> <laughs> Casey. Casey. We're we're just hand delivering you the best names and labels here. I see him on in the in the video like making notes. Like, all right, we're gonna That's why he still hangs out with us. I'm almost positive that I saw an ad in a one of our catalogs from a malt company or a supply there's, company. There's no way someone hasn't done that. It's 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 that too used easy. It. it wasn't that exactly, but it was um it was something along those lines that, that they were using. Oh. <laughs> so good. Um so the priming sugar 
is the only adjunct in there, and it's only to, literally to get that natural carbonation. Um, historical examples using 45% of two-row, 30% of a higher protein malt like a six-row malt, which would normally be your your like um, high enzymatic malts, uh, your lager malts. Uh, and then they would normally use around 25% sugar to dilute the nitrogen content in these malts. Um, traditionally used Australian hops like Cluster and Goldings until it was replaced in the mid-60s um, by Pride of Ringwood. It's a highly, they use a highly attenuative, attenuative Burton's type yeast, so Australian type strain typical. Basically, they would have this this specific yeast that would be traveling all around Australia. I'm gonna go ahead and blame um, it on Casey. I can't hear uh, Pride of Ringwood and not think of cat anuses now. Want to make a beer with that? Um, Is that label just gonna be a that cat anus? Hop that makes- just a just a picture. You just take a picture of the back end of one of your cats. Just a screenshot of any time you're on your computer. <laughs> For sure, that, that episode of uh, Pops the Burgers. <laughs> Oh God! Yes, uh, I love that. <laughs> All the anuses, and then they put the underwear on. Oh God! We tried to watch the movie. Sorry for the the interruption with Bob's Burgers and cat anuses. It was bad. Yeah, we tried to watch the movie and we couldn't finish it. I, I felt mm-hmm. bad. I was like, I love Bob's Burgers. I love the fact that they made the movie a musical. And I was like, oh. we couldn't finish it. I was I fell asleep and I woke up and I was so uninterested in finishing it. I was like, let's just go to bed. Understandable. Um, water profiles are are pretty variable, but low carbonate and moderate sulfate. So you're not trying to um, offset any sort of uh, black malts, any high acid malts. So the water is going to be need to be pretty neutral that way. Um, low carbonate. Uh, means not as much buffering capacity for acid. Um, and then moderate sulfate means that it, you're going to get lower bitterness, but still a little bit of bitterness aggressiveness there. Style comparison. So superficially, it's similar to English Pellels, although much more highly carbonated, uh, less caramel malt, less late hops, showcasing signature yeast strains and hop varieties. More bitter than IBUs may suggest due to the high attenuation. So not as much sweetness to balance out the bitterness that you're going to get there. Low final gravity and somewhat coarse hops with that pride of Ringwood. All right. So this one's going to kick in somewhere around 4.5 to 6% ABV. And IBUs would typically be 20 to 35 IBUs. But otherwise... That is your Australian sparkling ale. Yeah. Oh, oh, one more thing to note here. I'm just noticing the final gravity. 1.004 to 1.006, very dry. Like getting close to brute IPA territory in this dryness. Mm. All right. That's a dry boy. Yeah. That's the Australian. I I was talking with a brewer I know that that was doing this episode. He's like, oh, yeah, like a Cooper's? I was like, yeah, like Cooper's, and that gave me the hope that I could try to find it somewhere. Mm, yeah, I was unsuccessful today. In fairness, there's a decent chance if I had found it, it'd have been like a, it'd have been twenty years old or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, so. My thought, I didn't even try to look. Like that was, I could have probably found one something at Party Source, but it would have probably been. Well, I don't think Party Source put something on the shelf that far out of date. Mm. But my thought was, if I found one, it'd be dusty on a shelf, and I wouldn't want to touch it. I don't know if they're importing to the U.S. 
I don't know. Maybe that could they, be the case. Yeah, could be. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, it's a they might import to the U.S., but they might not import this far. You know, getting across the Pacific is already far enough. <laughs> Especially in this day and age, that adds another. Yeah, that's true. Complication. All right. Well, uh, I think we've all pretty much admitted this is not <laughs> what we're drinking. So, what are we all drinking? Drink with me, friend. Yeah, not that at all, it turns out. Yeah, um, and ours, I think we just have to name it since there's been so many years that we've drank this in a row on New Year's Eve that you can just go get the deets from those <laughs> episodes. Uh, but we're drinking fresh batches of Dragon's Milk, Triple Mash, and mm. Stroopwafel because oh, New Holland off. are not dumb, and they figured out their best-selling beers of all time have to be Triple Mash and Stroop Waffles. So every year they are releasing them now for distro. May, maybe per, maybe maybe per bottle, I guess. But I have you know, Dragon's Milk is their best selling thing. Yeah, here. but uh, so the reserves they get to bump the price up even more. Correct. So they get to sell. You know, they don't. There's less they have to package, and they get to jack the price up even higher. But if it's triple mash, I don't care. Whatever the, I, I don't even look at the price. I look on the shelf. I see triple mash. I check the brew date. I take it or the bottle date, and then I'm just like, nope, we're leaving with this. I don't care. Is it a hundred dollars a four pack? I do not care. This like I am very much willing to go down now and say this is pretty much my favorite beer. It like triple mash is so good. I dare I mean, anyone. The Stroopwafel's pretty great. Stroopwafel's fantastic. It is. But Triple Mash is, I, I just say hands down, my favorite beer now. Hmm. It's so good. Brittany, are you enjoying your, your Stroopwafel and your, your Triple Mash? Yeah, we actually, we killed off the Stroopwafel like first thing. Because <laughs> as you do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty great actually. It, it's been a minute since we've, well, I guess one really gotten a drink at all. But two, um, gotten to drink any stouts. Uh, it's not exactly been the weather for it, you know. That's fair. Hmm. But when he, heat indexes are pushing like 107, you're you're not really reaching for the stouts. Yeah. No. No. Speaking of, <laughs> um, I I went with so okay when I went to go go shop, I I I had like tiered goals. Was trying to find Coopers, couldn't find Coopers. Maybe find some kind of British Pale Ale, be kind of somewhere close-ish. No, didn't find that. <laughs> How about a Pale Ale? So, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. That's what I'm drinking. I, I really don't feel like we need to discuss it. We've all had it. We all know what it is. It's solid. It's fine. But because it was, uh, because it's you know it's Pale Ale, I was like. Hmm. You just buy like a buy a case of that or something. Get some drinking beer in the house. It is good. Yeah, I was just sitting here. You see, I was like, I we've really, done that a lot lately. Beer ass beer. Yeah, I want to go buy a case of Sierra Nevada just to support the 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 last bastion of craft on a national level. Yeah, that was that was the other thing. I was like, you know what? And I don't have any real problems with you anymore. 
I brought that so, so in a conversation with someone recently who was unaware to uh, a lot of the news in the last few years of all the sellouts and all that. They were just like, oh, wait, New Belgium's not crafting? Oh, wait, if I buy New Belgium, I'm actually supporting, like, terrorism and genocide? Oh, <laughs> crap. They're like, well, I can't buy that anymore. They're like, what's left that I can buy? And it's like, depending on your morals, not much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, but that's, stick Broken local. Throne Brewing. That, broken that's throne. what I said. I <laughs> This person lives in uh, your region, and I said, <laughs> guess what? You happen to have a local brewery that's locally owned and produces great beer. There you go. I, I, uh, I actually was just talking with someone, and they were like, I need to get some more Broken Throne stuff. I need to try more of their stuff. I was like, I will do my best to mule for you next time I'm down there. Don't get me started on how upset I am. So we don't go back home often, like maybe once or twice a year. We were down there for July Fourth weekend. We won't we won't get into why the whole weekend went tits up, but it did. The whole weekend went tits up, because I had planned to be buying cases of Broken Throne to bring back up here. Because I'm like, I need some beer ass beer, and I want a, to get a lot of Broken Throne beer. And they were closed the entire time we were in, and I was like, it's great, it's great. <laughs> I'll mule for you guys too, I guess. Because <laughs> I've got, uh, I got, a, I got, I'm mule and sake, so I might as well be mule and broken throne up that way too. Well, we don't need muling and broken throne. We can get void. That's true. We can get someone else to mule that one. Well, no, I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I, no, we have void up here. It gets the oh, party well, source. I mean, like a quarter you, of a mile get, away, I can get. You get void. the regular stuff. I'm saying I'm getting mm-hmm. like the weird. Oh, yeah, you get the good stuff. Yeah, I do get the good stuff. Uh, Casey, get on it. You all got to get distro party source. <laughs> Speaking of party source, is the only location on your side of the river that would have had Coopers, and they only have the stout. In order to get the Coopers, the only location within a hundred miles of you is Jungle Gems. Of course. Oh, yeah, that tracks. And so it is distributed in the U.S sparsely spoiler alert uh check uh, are you on jungle gems to get that as you say do, do they have malort <laughs> oh i did not yeah there we go um i did not look on the jungle gym site i looked on the oh. distributor site okay i do not believe they would have malort though because that's pretty <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i was just like if God. no one will have it but if anyone would it'd be jungle gym let me see if you can get a Malort shipment. <laughs> Casey, can you get a case of Malort? <laughs> <laughs> Liquor Barn says they've got it. I oh. don't believe it. Okay, so tomorrow. Oh, there's another brand of Liquor Barn. Oh, there you go. That makes more oh. sense. This is uh... I, a... I'm certain there's somewhere out in the Midwest that is also... Illinois. I mean, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Suburbs. Illinois. Illinois. Same, same brains. God, been doing the show. It's been how many years? I I am drinking on this 107 degree day. What I want? An imperial stout. Yeah. (laughs) Look, if if mm, you know what I I wanted to go closer to style, but now now everyone else did stuff. Like, man, I should have grabbed one of my babas. (laughs) I say we're not outside right now. 
Evet. I'm still sweating. Like, don't get me. Like, it's 10 o'clock at night, and I'm still sitting here just, like, sweating all over myself. <laughs> it's, been it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your flop sweat is? <laughs> In my pits <laughs> and under my man boobs. That's where it is. So I'm having uh, not all the spoils are rancid uselessness. No, <laughs> oh, yeah, that goes to my man boob flop sweat. <laughs> By Burial. Uh, it is an imperial stout with cashews, honey, marshmallow, sesame seeds. Spice wall of cinnamon and vanilla bean. Because mm. why not just throw all that in? Can we just say I love burial? Beyond oh, all a doubt, I love burial. But every <laughs> so I've I don't do a lot of uh, beer releases anymore. But all of them I've been to in the last like two years, everyone shows up with a burial beer, mm-hmm. and two of them are good. All the rest of them are infected all to hell and back. Mm, yeah. Because two people will pull out the same beer from the same batch, which the same release. And I don't know if it's storage or what, but we'll crack one person's and it'll be great. The other one will crack the top and that bad boy will just geyser fountain out of it. And everyone goes, yeah, I'm not touching that. <laughs> like you can just smell it. It smells like a red, you know, one of those... Oh God! What was it? The uh, the weird European reds that we did. Flanders. Yeah, it'll uh-huh. smell like Flanders and stuff. And you're like, I'm not getting near that. Uh, they do a lot of that as well. So I mean, it would not be surprising if there's a little cross contamination. Yeah, a little yeah. tainting. Yeah. They're all in. I mean, they've got multiple locations and everything, but I think they do a little bit of everything everywhere. Yeah. Um. This one is thick, and it's good. Oh, yeah, yeah it, it is. is. I'm also drinking a, I don't know, it's probably a 16-ounce bottle. No. Is it thick and one, dark and at least seven inches? One <laughs> pint and nine fluid ounces, so 20, 25-ounce bottle. Oh, uh, okay. It's a lot of impact. Handle those twenty five ounces. The the thing that thick. The thing that gets me is I think they add the honey after fermentation. Yeah, they do. And it's it comes through. Oh, you better believe it does. (laughs) Comes right through. But um, it also leaves behind a honey, like fructosey sweetness, which is very sweet. I've been told. So I'm not a huge fan of that. Don't don't like the aftertaste it, it leaves you. <laughs> Today's show is written by Bob. <laughs> Using sources from keggerator.com, brewerworld.com, and Cooper's own website, as well as the BJCP 2021 guidelines. I think Casey should get an yeah, award of some in there. <laughs> so you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrakeshow.com after the show if you'd like. Or you can follow us at Have a Drink Show on social media and twitch.tv. Schmackin'. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, don't. Uh, yeah. Let me try that one more time. Tell us your favorite drink. Ask a question or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com or you can use, use the feedback page on the website. Uh, you can also just, just clear your mind. <laughs> open your heart. I'm not going to hear you. You're going to have to send an email. I always like that I'm the one who has to say this, but all joking and fun aside, <laughs> I'd like to remind everyone, 
to please drink responsibly. I'm trying to tell you, Chris. Yeah, I know. I, I do drink it's responsibly. Also, it's not just drinking responsibly. Brittany has tried and tried to get us to include in there, buy beer responsibly. <laughs> That's not no. been an issue recently. <laughs> I don't buy much. I just have quit drinking. It just like adds up. Yeah, it just keeps piling up. It's an it's an issue. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywho, well, you can check us out in another couple of weeks for our next live episode, and slight announcement: check out haveadrinkstore dot com because we finally Stickers. updated it. <laughs> She's working on even more. Oh no, I, I I've think been so- drawing a lot of things. <laughs> no, I've got to say, I think some of the best. We have to make the those stickers. Like she's really like started cranking out some great stuff, and yeah. it's all hitting the store nowish. Uh, I think it's some sticker packs are hitting, yeah, and some more designs will be coming out with like host uh, exclusive things. Yeah, um, I may have tweaked some things from our Alamart. Um, so it's gonna be one Casey and his. Do you want to get? Dark, a, do you want a shirt? Twenty-five ounce. Do you want to get a shirt with Bob's loving face on it as a beer no. glass, or Casey's as a, a snifter? Yes. Then you may be able to get those soon. I want that. But so right as of right now, the new stickers are up, and I, one of them didn't look like hot garbage as a patch, so one of them is available as a patch. You can commemorate our um, couple of years of uh, show topic yes, we dedications. Do, we have uh, stickers specifically like a badge, uh, year of the Trappist and year of the Scotch. Um, <laughs> so those are, those are available as stickers right now. Um, and then the patch that exists is um, a Glencairn of Scotch. so uh yeah but more to come on that uh very soon actually so a lot of stuff been working on for that but haveadrinkstore.com and of course another way to support the show is have a drink or is patreon.com slash have a drink show and that holiday having a drink the holiday sweater pattern got uh taken out of the store so if you didn't get it it's like deactivated until next holiday and then i can maybe like tweak it a bit more and do some other stuff it's gone you missed your chance you wanted it. I kind of want to do some like Halloween stuff too. You drag your feet and it's gone. <laughs> Pumpkin ale Halloween. All right. So, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> All right, so are we gonna be talking love make, and make, thunder? We talk some 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 thunder loving. Are we just gonna spoil it all for Brittany? I don't care. Heaven up Well, I've I must urinate before we start this and get another beverage. Okay. So yeah. Follow your heart. Uh So yeah, uh, it was a fun show. 
So, sorry, it turned into Casey takes BBC, but it's hard to avoid the. Yeah. By the end of the episode, we've all been drinking a while, and we're 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 doing the dumbest jokes we can think of. Uh. So I was trying to do a particular cartoon style on that image uh-huh. that I sent you guys. Chris is like, why are we all amputees? And I was like, <laughs> it's supposed to be a style. So like, and I, and then I was like, also like ready to throw the iPad and I was like, hands are hard to draw. Okay. They are. <laughs> hands are dumb. There, there are things that artists hate to draw. They are hands, horses, and cars. I could see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I added some like super dumb hands. So like that it's, it exists. That's a thing that, it, that is there. And you say super dumb hands. It's like one of us like, no, doing, just, like, there's like shadow puppet or there's like no detail and it's full on cartoon hand. Like everybody has three fingers. That's it. That's all you're getting. <laughs> like I can't. I'll take three hands are stupid. I mean, yeah. It's fine. I'll just grab like this. But Spock hand. I mean, Spock. You know, I was like, well, no, Nightcrawler's hands are like super weird because like his his thumbs are like extra. Yeah, they're like also super long. Like, God, mittens must be a nightmare for him. (laughs) I do want to show off. So I bought. it was like six bucks, but uh, on Etsy. Um, so a lot of people sell Procreate brushes that you can get different different textures. And this one was, um, I was trying to find one for braids uh, for like, you know, like like different size braids and everything. And I, I tried to make those myself, but it did not work out. So <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to get these. And these were like way better. Uh, and it was like 30 brushes for six bucks. And I was like, yes, this is fine. But this is the. Oh, cool. So, I mean, I don't know if you can tell as much what the, you know, the yeah, screen and everything. Yeah, patternism. The, the braid, yeah. And she had all different sizes, like actual like pigtail kind of braids and then like the, the regular stuff. But I was like, oh, yeah. And then, of course, the the lips are from like, I, I, I had just done like a tutorial on how to do <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Okay, so how do we want to kick this off? Uh, how does the movie start? <laughs> uh, Starts with uh, Thor uh, stoically meditating on a picturesque mountaintop. Uh, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, the Guardians are trying to uh, trying to do some work, and Thor just yeah, they have to come up and tell like. Thor, you're you're insanely powerful. Come do something. Basically, uh, hey, you could take care of this in two minutes, and they're we're all about to die. Uh, yeah, they. Uh, so finally, like, yeah, and he yanks off his his uh, his robes, rides his no, his, he, well, he's wearing the robes like it's a like it's a a, a, a broom. Broom. Yeah, he rides off on it like he's a witch on a broomstick, which is the greatest thing ever. He just like saddles up <laughs> the axe and flies off on it. And, and then, 
uh, and then proceeds to to destroy an entire army, being Thor, doing Thor things. And the, the the people of the planet that they were there to help them defend and take back their ancestral temple, it just crumbles in the background as he's standing there going, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole thing uh, just collapses I, I will say. I will say the opening does lead into a pro, uh, lead into an issue I have with the whole movie, which is I could do with less Guns and Roses. Uh, they could all do with I, a little less Guns and Roses, but it's I'm not a big, a big theme. I'm not a big Guns and Roses fan. I hate Axl Rose. Yeah, no, he is a pretty big piece of shit. But they they fit for the scene, so I'm kind of like I can't be super mad at it, but also just don't want to hear some of these songs but we get the hilarious so the the people of the planet are trying to be grateful but are clearly pissed so they 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 want to thank thor for his no thanks thanks so much appreciate it but also punish him for destroying their holy temple so they gift him with these two gigantic screaming goats that don't ever stop screaming they're just constantly ah! Ah! and then it like cuts Someone- to them on the Benatar, which is the new name of the ship, like someone just does make a make a point it. though, like like oh, would you like a joke from like 2010 internet? You're like, I mean, yeah, but there that is doesn't that. get but old also, though. But also, Thor Thor's chariot is driven by by two goats. Yep, and that becomes a point later on, where <laughs> those two things are pulling a, a ship that Thor is on. Which is just the goat boat. The goat boat? Yeah, the, like there's it. a Lego set of it that is called the goat boat. <laughs> That's great. So that was, I'm going to get that Lego set now. <laughs> just basically because it's called the goat boat. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but then they <laughs> set like, it up. I do also like that they, they show like Thor does cross, like godly CrossFit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's doing the. The battle ropes. The ship chains. The the movie actually does open just before this, where you you are introduced to Gore the God Butcher and his well, tragic backstory. But, but which is just lifted direct from the comics. Like no other than the sex of his child changed. That's the only thing that's different, really. It's like, oh no, yeah, he's wandering through the desert, like last of his species, and they all die yeah. because the god is not their gods aren't listening. Mm-hmm. They do not care. Uh, which I feel like could be a very interesting plot point that they just kind of, eh, we don't really care. Uh, which is also fine. Like, it, it, it could get bogged down and it would be a different movie if they did that. What yeah. they were going for is a a different theme, which well, is fine. He stumbles across his god eventually in, after his daughter dies in, like, a tragic, and he has to bury her. And he's the last of his species at that point crawling through a desert and then stumbles into this beautiful lush oasis where he finds his God who proceeds to laugh at him when he explains what's happened. But there, there is a vanquished foe as we all know the story of Gore to be. He doesn't witness the fall of this foe, but then he sees the necro sword all black. He gets it. Kills him some gods. Uh, yeah, and it calls to him as his god proceeds to mock him and laugh at him. And then he slays the god. And then Gore the God Butcher is born. Uh, I will say, like, they, the Christian Bale does a really 
you know, pretty decent job in like, you know, a couple of scenes with him where like, there's a lot of like real good emotional stuff That's that he does. I will yes. say, yeah, I will say, so I, I put it to like Brian Cranston in uh, Godzilla. He's mm-hmm. not in it for very long, but while he's in it, he's chewing up the fucking scenery. Well, it, it's it's like he's playing two entirely different characters, though. But he does the switch; it makes it like, yeah. maniacal. Well, it, like I'm saying, like there's there's the the uh, humble, loving, you know, thing, and there's the the corrupted, crazy person. Like all of a sudden, he's like doing bits at a certain point to where yeah. I was kind of like, this does not seem like the character I saw a little while ago. But uh, all right. It turns kind of Joker esque when he's like, yeah. cutting in and messing with the uh, the kids. Yeah, that's the only bit of him I think didn't super work for me. Everything else was kind of fine, but that was the only scene where I was kind of like, "This is." It still makes odd. him like pretty terrifying when they do those. It bits. makes it terrifying. It just didn't fit consistently, kind of with how I was experiencing him at that point. But yeah, either way. But uh, uh, so yes, we get the origin of Gore. We get his, you know. Here's why he hates the gods and is going yeah. on his quest to murder them all. Got to murder them all. Gods. Um, Got to murder them all. Got to murder them all. Deities. And then we cut, we, to, we cut to Jane Foster sitting in her chemotherapy while the person next to her in chemotherapy is reading her book. So it's it's. It's a forced contrivance, and I still find it funny. I'm it's, still it's cool like with it. Every author's wet dream. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wrote that book. Yeah, because someone's going to be in chemotherapy reading, like, high-level physics books. And then she drops, she name drops Event Horizon, and then proceeds to do the exact thing they do in her Event Horizon to explain <laughs> wormholes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. You just ruined your book. I think it's still great. Like it goes, it just goes too deep when it's like you're like, oh yeah, Sam Neill's also in this fucking movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and and all of a sudden Jane Foster realizes, you know, because chemo sucks, because chemo sucks, uh, that. Whoever wields the power of Thor that gets the strength and health of Thor. It's a weird wording in that that book to say health, but so well, a lot but, of things get explained. Like, yes, the the original, you know, <laughs> the original uh, I don't know enchantment that Odin put on the hammer, and then apparently somehow Thor is able to drunkenly alter it. He's able to add his own enchantment, which is always watch after Jane, which I actually like. I like that yeah. idea that like he is he is growing into sort of his father. He's made a connection with all this. And then he says a thing and it does like the same, like, you know, yeah. makes the, the thing. And I was like, that's a good touch. I like that. Because I saw that as them. Also, when we got the gore fight, when we get it in the comics, you get it as the three Thors. Yeah. You get the three Thors. We don't get the three Thors fighting. We essentially get three characters embodying those three Thors, which I I found very fitting as a callback to that in the comics. Yeah. Would we like to have seen all Father Thor? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, instead, look, I, I love young Thor 
Avenger Thor and old Thor. Just look, yeah, like old Thor's looking at the two of them going, like one eye, one arm, like with like a, the eradicator is his other arm. Yeah. Just going, like, <sighs> I remember when I was this dumb. We got a close, we got a prox, you know, approximation of that eventually in the end. Yeah. But so we get the building of Jane. Yes, she has cancer. She's very sick. Uh, it's stage three. Uh, four. Oh, stage four. Yes. Uh, then we get a Darcy who proceeds to not m- even mention the fact that she's been just been through a very strange thing in upstate New York. <laughs> she New is. Jersey. She's there for her friend. She's there not to tell her her weird story. She's there to like be there and supportive, and also to further the plot. But mostly, <laughs> Darcy. I didn't know Darcy was in it. I Darcy's in it. She's only She's in it for a scene. A scene. During chemo, but, she, she's there to keep Jane company and brings her like a buttload of snacks. That said, apparently because of the Thor movies, I think Natalie Portman and uh, uh, Kat Dennings have become very good friends. I am okay with this, and I'm st- I, so I'm like, I, I just like the fact that they got to hang out. I'm still weirded out. Kat Dennings married Andrew WK. Weird choice, but you know, Whatever, you know, sure. When, <laughs> you see them and you're like, weird. Both of them are weird. But their vibe is kind of similar. You're like, no, I see it. I see well, it one likes to party. Likes party. <laughs> likes to party uh, hard. And, party hard. Yeah. Uh, and the other likes to knit. <laughs> <laughs> and those are both Andrew WK. Just <laughs> Well, actually, I was going to say one. The, the other one is, is Kat Dennings. But sure. All right. <laughs> I'll never get over. Well, it was on one of the, like, I love the 2000s. I can't remember who they were talking about. Some other band who they met Andrew WK on Warp Tour, and they're like, "He's they're like he's just magical and a joy to be around." Like, like they they saw him I coming. Can't off, imagine him not being. He, he came off stage just like sweaty and gross, and it was just like comes up. It's like, "Hey guys!" Like hugs him and then pulls lollipops out of his pockets and gives to them <laughs> and like walks away. <laughs> just like a magical treat. I assume he's the Willy Wonka of of music. But yeah, I mean, so anyway, um, yeah, uh, we get uh, some exposition forced to uh, give us cameos from Stellan Skarsgård, and you know, there's like, oh, let's shove him in here really quick. You got to have Eric. Was, well, I mean, it was just nice to see him again because you haven't seen him since Avengers. Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> so no, Avengers two. He's in Avengers 2. He helps Thor go to the cave that doesn't oh, yes, explain yes. anything. That that weird scene that should have just been cut. He is yeah. referenced in uh, Ms. Marvel. Yes. He is. Uh, he's referenced in a couple other ones, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, he they, 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 they do the... Yeah, a couple of Jane talks. She goes to Asgard on Earth, the Earth Asgard, which is a tourist, is a trap. tourist trap. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's the best tourist trap ever. Like, cause like they take the Viking boat and it's like you go out in a little tour and like I I'm looking at it going like, God, it's so close to like those like Viking swing yeah. boat things and and there's oh. a great callback to the decanonized maybe recanonized uh, bits when uh, Thor has a roommate. And oh. his, room, his roommate from those things that were technically decanonized, but everyone's going, are they recanonized? But his roommate from those is the tour guide in New <laughs> I Asgard. Didn't, I didn't catch that. <laughs> so that's the tour guide when they come up to Mjolnir. 
and then you see this hooded figure come up to the the shattered bits of Mjolnir on the this grassy pedestal because no one could move it. So they literally just had to like dig the earth out around it and make an I, earthen pedestal. I, I saw a thing where someone made a point of like it's it's the argument they have at the end of uh, Avengers two of, of Age of Ultron where it's I mean and like he's not a person right right that's why he can move the hammer I mean an escalator could move the hammer you put it down on the thing and it moves <laughs> it up that's 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 in that same argument they couldn't move the hammer but they could move the stuff around the hammer yes but where where the fight happened with Hela is where the shards of Mjolnir are, and then this hooded figure approaches it, and you see the shards vibrating, and then the camera swings to reveal the hooded figure is Jane Foster. Yeah. After she claims Mjolnir was reaching out to her through a children's book. What? Yeah. Oh, through several also, books of Norse mythology. There also. is a reenactment play. Yes. There is. Which stars... I mean, like, like it was in uh, in Ragnarok. Uh, it's the exact it's same got truth. Matt, it's got Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Fat Damon. Fat Matt Damon. <laughs> I'll never get over I'm like, so he's never in any movie looking this large, except for these Thor movies. I'm like, is it the way they're shot that they're giving him this, like, massive double chin? Or I'm like, what is going on? Do they shoot these, like, so between his other films that he's kind of out of shape? I'm like, I don't get... <laughs> how they get Matt Damon to look like that. It's got Matt Damon. Does it have... Um, Sam Neill is Odin. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Uh, Melissa McCarthy, I think? Yes, yes. as Hela. As Hela. amazing. Uh, which is funny, because like, they, they all hate Hela, so they, they have to, like, like she can't look like... Um, who is it that played Hela? Oh, uh, um, is it Kate Blanchett? Yeah. Kate Blanchett, yeah, like, you can't look like Kate Blanchett. You got to look horrible. And so it's Melissa McCarthy. Like, all right, whatever. Can't be uh, Galadriel rolling up in there. Yeah, uh, and then, but th- there's the other guy who was the guy who played, you know, played Thor. Where Hemsworth's brother. Yeah, <laughs> Hemsworth's uh, brother. Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, Liam. Okay. <laughs> and they have a, a recurring, so they do the the play that basically is redoing Ragnarok. The opening to Ragnarok. And in Ragnarok, they did the play that did Dark World. Yeah, so you have all that. And then there's another event later. They show up after shit goes down to to be like, should we should we make a play? And he's like, we didn't hear no. Yeah, and then they start, they start playwriting right then. So background, we see... All right, incoming dark clouds, rolling clouds, which in the next few scenes we find out is the God, God, butcher. God butcher coming in to uh, to but do we, some bad things. We skadoodled right past the the resonating theme that you didn't realize was the resonating theme with when, uh, the Guardians of Galaxy yeah. and with the goodbye. Yeah, with the goodbye when it's it's showing. Peter Quill looking over th- when Thor's like, I don't, basically saying he's having an identity crisis. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know why he exists. And Peter Quill's looking over his shoulder at the other Guardians being like, you know, you got to find the people in oh, your that's life. that's the thing from the trailer, right? That make it, make it all worth it. And then he's like slowly leaning into the, to the shot and line of sight. Yeah, to make sure like he's looking at him like, yes, I love you, but. 
And then uh, the, you miss the, the the greatness of Thor being like, it's his ship, and he's giving it to the Guardians to, yeah. as a parting gift. And Peter Quill's like, it's my ship, but okay. <laughs> it just whatever gets you off my ship. Yeah. Uh, and there's more of like Drax just like swooning over Thor. There is uh, there's a bit there where they show him like summoning the Bifrost to get out of there. I was like, the Bifrost broke. How is he getting around? It's like, oh, never mind. They they showed an end game that that the Stormbreaker, Stormbreaker summons just the Bifrost. summons the Bifrost. Yeah. Plot point that you need for the rest of the movie. Stormbreaker can summon the Bifrost. Yeah. Um, which and Thor can ride it like a broomstick. Uh, but yeah, then, 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 you know, we're at Asgard tourist trap. They do their, their, turns out danger happens basically as soon as Thor gets there. Well, so for Thor to come back there first, uh, when they're all parting ways, the guardians are like, we're getting calls for help all across the galaxy and we can't go to all, possibly go to all of them. And then one of them is Lady Sif. So Thor's like, I'll handle this one. You guys go do all the rest. And yeah. they're like, whatever. <laughs> and then everyone pimps off in different directions. Korg and Thor go to help Sif. And when they get there, it's that moment where this literally ripped from the comics of the giant god dead and them standing there. And But this just like inserts, oh, Lady Sif happened to have been there. And her arm is ripped off. And she's laying there. She's... And she looks at Thor. She's like, "I'm dying, but it's I'm I'm going to Asgard. It's great." And Thor's like, "Hate to break it to you, the battle's long over. You're not going to go to Asgard if if you die, or Valhalla. You're not going to Valhalla if you die." Uh-huh. And she's like, and "She's like, oh, Shit. get me out of here now." Yeah, she's, she's like, "Well, we you got to do something. You got to save me. We got to we got to do something about this." And he's like, "Yeah, come on." <laughs> yeah, and he gets back to Asgard. They get her. They try to get her fixed up, and then suddenly Gore comes in and starts attacking and. With shadow monster things. The shadow monsters, and then we get the... He hears the the hum of, of, Mjolnir. of Mjolnir vibrating through the fight. Uh, and, yeah, and then we get the... I'd have liked that in that scene more than... <laughs> that would have been better, yes. But then we get the reveal of uh, Mighty Thor, finally. Of Jane, Jane Foster. Jane Foster yeah. as Thor. And it's he's... Rip Natalie Portman. Yes, the what did they call it? The scene from uh, Council of Biceps oh, yeah. <laughs> is what the, <laughs> they called it when you see her with her like jacked it's, arms. It's her and Tessa Thompson, and you're just like, all right. When, when Tyka was like, no, we like her biceps were never <laughs> CG. Like that, we had to do no work for that. Like we had to do work to make her look sickly when she's. Yeah, when we cut to her when she's not Thor and it's pushed all the chemo out of her body. Unlike some CGI that has to get done at the the very, very end of the movie. Yeah. We'll get there. But, so, yeah. um, uh, We see Thor going through the, oh, my ex. So this is, but it's more of a, with the hammer. And then then we introduce my favorite character of the movie, Jealous Stormbreaker. (laughs) The yeah, because there's, like there's a scene where it's somehow you, se- the hum of it as it like after any scene of him with with the hammer in it and Thor in it, suddenly the axe like slowly creeps in from the side. And he's like, "Oh, but I've not forgotten about you." It's the first scene where like 
like Thor is trying to call out to Mjolnir while Jane has it, just to try to see if he's still worthy to kind of like pick it up. And as he's summoning towards it, because he's like, I'm not trying to be like super obvious, he's yeah. kind of like holding it in. Stormbringer comes in like a judgmental girlfriend and yeah. just like come he's like, oh, there you are. Yes, yeah, that's who I was summoning. And that's just the running gag for the rest of the movie is any time after a scene where him and the hammer just, Mjolnir happens to be in the scene, suddenly jealous Stormbringer is like vibrating in from the sides or causing some kind of commotion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, the God Butcher takes a bunch of Asgardian kids. Kidnaps all the kids, yes. <laughs> and... Thor and everyone has to go try and get him back. So yeah. Thor, Korg, uh, Jane, and Valkyrie uh, turn the the tourist attraction boat, strap some goats to it, Screaming. and put Stormbringer yeah. on front to summon a, a, a rainbow bi- bridge. Yeah, the Bifrost Rainbow Bridge to guide the boat. And but we also get the uh, the great gag of. Well, gag or not, you get Thor explaining that Heimdall had showed him how to do the astral projecting. The, the, as they called it, like the the, cra- the magical eyes. Magic eye thing, yeah. And his son, who has now renamed himself Axel. From Astrid. Yes. And uh, because of Axel Rose. Which explains why Guns N' Roses is throughout the movie, but also <laughs> could have done with less. Yeah, hmm. but he keeps uh, astral projecting to the kids in Gore's captivity to be like, no, no, it's great. We're coming to get you. I will. I'm coming to save hmm. you. And they're like, you're not really here though. <laughs> like, yes, but we're, we're we've got plans. We're, we're coming through there, and you're you're being very brave. <laughs> He's he genuinely is awful at reassuring them that everything's gonna be fine because every time he leaves, they're always like, yeah, we're dead. <laughs> uh. But yeah, they 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 bounce off to the the planet of the gods or the planet of the, uh, oh, the thing omnipotent there. city. Yeah, Where and you gods get to see and celestials uh, and yeah, you get to see uh, uh, Russell Crowe Zeus and the god of bow buns, and they they gesture yeah. they gesture to uh, the carpenter god off screen, and everyone's like, so Jesus Christ is apparently also an omni- omnipotent city and. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, the, uh, and the God of Korg's uh, people. Yes. Which I also I, forgot I, to mention, uh, that Korg somehow in the mention of kids has to bring up how his species mates, fruit, which is yes. also great because his species is all male and it's, they, they basically do like a, I don't know what, like a thunderous man handshake over a volcano and eventually, out of this, forms a child between the hands. A long sure. handshake. Uh, but yeah, I, I I like heavy like I like fat Russell Crowe. Fat Russell Crowe with a horrible Greek accent is amazing. Yeah, as 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 Zeus just just coming in, going, "Oh yes, yes, I am very impressive, aren't I?" And you're like, "Yeah." Hey, Hubsy. How's it going? Uh, uh, But Russell Crowe, Zeus, is most, uh, like, 
he is most infatuated with uh, getting the God orgy uh, started, started, and getting it like who who's hosting and uh, who all's coming. That that's prime like, in his concerns. Like Zeus would be. Yes, and Zeus would be trying to figure out which animal he's going to show up as. True. Uh, I do like that they they <laughs> they strip Thor of his costume and they they strip of everything. He's just standing there naked and. Well, All impressive. the women and men on the, the, the barge that he is on just faint. On the receiving side, yes, they all faint, while the rest of us on the other side still faint at, at that glorious Hemsworth ass. As I liked to uh, to have shared the when Taika did the, the late night circuit, and he, when he was pointing at it, he's like, in the movie, it's not all pixelated. You get the full <laughs> Hemsworth. <laughs> and you do you get the full Hemsworth ass and with like the amazing back tats to Loki and then it has yeah. like a scroll listing everyone he's lost uh they have a uh yeah uh, obviously fights break out because Zeus does not want to go fight a god butcher because he's killing gods he doesn't want to get in. and he's also not willing to just give over his amazing Zeus uh lightning bolt thunderbolt Thunderbolt, yes. Uh, that is, uh... Uh, and so they, you know, a fight breaks out. Thor can't call Stormbringer because Stormbringer is on, on the, the ship. And so he Korg just... is just like it's immediately killed. Yeah, but turns out the only part that's really alive is their face. Yeah, the rest hmm. of it's just a pile of rocks that the face pilots. So, and his face is the only thing that's left. And so they're like, hey, that's lucky. That's all that they need. Yeah, well, so, which was, I thought sort of under, like, in a moment, like, oh, Korg, no, and then, like, immediately he's still alive, like, oh. And then Valkyrie, him. like, ties her braid in around his face on the back of her head to <laughs> watch keep my him, six. and it just looks like a big mustache, and she's like, watch my six, and so Korg is just, like, calling out whenever someone's behind her. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Thor uh, gets a hold of Thunderbolt and just Throws it straight through Zeus's chest. Moves on. It's like, yeah, eh, right whatever. Through the middle. Killed him. And then they, the, the goat boat then careens through the ceiling and like two celestials look through the hole like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, and uh, they all jump on the goat boat and scream scream out of Omnipotent City because they won't help them. Right. So and they have they, a, they they have a like, whole big thing. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna just leave like f y'all. They have a whole thing where they realize they don't have the plan, and they yeah. that Thor and Jane try to get back together. Realize it's like, yeah, we gotta live like it's it's today. And Jane goes like, I have cancer. Yeah, Thor's going through like a, uh, we gotta live in the now and all this, and then like Jane just like for whatever her like I don't know her guard falls, and she doesn't mean to say it, and then she's just like, I have cancer. <laughs> I will also say, I love how Jane and Valkyrie have also become best friends. Like, they're just like, yeah, no, we kick ass and we hang out together. That's that's our thing now. Well, because we had this unexplained... So, from the moment she becomes Mighty Thor, she's been doing things in New Asgard. And we get we have no idea what these things are, just that her and Valkyrie <laughs> have become... They've bonded over whatever she's been doing in New Asgard as Mighty Thor. That's all we need to know. Yeah. Well, and she gets... Uh, uh, while she is 
Thoring it up. She she has the powers of Thor, but she's not doing her treatments, and the cancer is still killing her. Yeah. So if she drops the hammer, it's not working. So that is a bit of a problem. Yeah, every time she, she Thors it up, it, as is in the comics, it pushes all the chemo out of her body. And it's just, and it gets to the point that they're like, if you do it again, you will die. Yeah. They try to save the kids. It doesn't go well. Turns out what they actually need is Stormbringer to, Yeah, Gore. You know. They need Stormbringer, and Gore needs Stormbringer, because his whole goal, as it gets revealed, is to get to Eternity, the cosmic being in the MCU, well, in just Marvel which, Universe. Which apparently just grants wishes if you get there first. Yeah, that's new. The first person <laughs> to eternity... A right, wish. Gets a, a wish. One wish. Granted. Which and, which seemed weird. It was a weird, weird plot device. It's like... I, then why didn't Thor know about this before? Why could he have just made his way there? Why didn't we go there instead of, you know, trying to deal with getting Thanos. infinity stones and dealing with Thanos again. Like we didn't need a time heist. We could just wish everyone back. Yeah. But anyway, we were just now discovering this. And like yeah. Thor was like, Oh yeah, I remember that's a thing. Yeah. In fairness, Thor's a big dumb meathead. If he just suddenly didn't remember it, it's understandable, but that's, you know, that's a greater plot issue. But in the context of the movie, you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. You just, you, you roll with it. Uh, anyway, yeah, the the uh, Gore gets the gets Stormbringer. He's going to try and because we get well, first we get the showdown. We get the three of them facing off against Gore on you know, in the essentially dark dimension. Yeah, Shadow World. Yeah, the Shadow World. Like they're on this like colorless moon, which is it's a great like grayscaled. Everything's grayscale. There's no color left except for Zeus's lightning bolt, which they pimped out with, and which Valkyrie's wielding in this. And Stormbringer, whenever he pulls it up, is like pulsing blue and causing color to pulse to anything in its vicinity. I do like that uh, Mighty Thor, Jane Thor, sees sees what, what the, the end goal is. They need the Bifrost. And yeet Stormbringer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. As soon as she catches on to it, before anything, she's just like, grabs it, and is like, yeah, and it's gone. And he's like, what did you, that's what he needs. Oh, all right. And then from then on, they're just like, everyone's just like daring Thor. Like, don't you dare summon it. And Gore's going, mm-hmm. summon it. And of course, he summons, he summons it. Uh, and then Gore like immediately gets it and like pimps off. Yeah, uh, they get you know thrown back to New Asgard. They do. Valkyrie's whole... like mortally wounded, and they're like Jane. It's like, hey Jane, guess what? <laughs> after she powers down after the fight, it's like if you power back up again, that's it. And Thor's like, no, I want you to live because I want to you know try to find a way to make a life with you. Yeah, he just like finally lays it bare. It's just like I want to be with you forever, so you have to stay here and do whatever it takes to be better. Because I, it, he never says he loves her, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
But I, he's I, he is the like I want to be with you forever, and that can't yeah. happen if you if you help. Yeah, and they do do a uh, uh, you know he heads off, try to just go go deal with it directly, and he and... he makes in a very touching scene where you're very confused at first when he shows up to what everyone was speculating it could be the the room of statues of all the celestial beings well of the most powerful celestial beings you because you have everyone there you have uatu the watcher and eternity like all of them as these uh, the one above all like they all have these massive statues and then suddenly it's like uh, gore clearly brought all the asgardian children to this place yeah (laughs) and thor walks in and just tells them all to find you know something something that means something to them and they're all like what are you what are you getting out what are you getting at and he's just like look just get something arm yourselves and you're just like looking around like is is he just gonna leave these kids to their slaughter (laughs) yeah there's a real long moment you're like he's about to try and like just tell these kids hey just club them to death and like one of because some of them are like wielding teddy bears there's yeah, there's one that has a teddy bear, and it, like it because it's getting like it, Gore's summoning all these like dark void forces, and you just got these kids who are getting it's ready Cthulhu to Cthulhu o'clock in there. Yeah, there's like some Cthulhu shit happening, and all these kids are armed with like teddy bears and toys and fuck all, and you're like, what am I getting ready to watch? <laughs> And then suddenly, I, I was cons- I was thinking like, I'm about to watch a bunch of kids get murdered. Yeah, and then Thor starts doing the exact same kind of oath enchantment that Odin did, and he 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 like wills his power to all these kids and basically for a limited makes, time. Yeah, for a limited time, she adds at the <sighs> end. Basically, makes whatever they're holding Mjolnir's. And he enchants all these kids with the power of Thor for a limited time. Is, I know it was in uh, Ragnarok, but I feel like this is when you should have heard like the immigrant song. Yeah. From, like, because well, I just feel like that, that yeah, lightning coming across, like. It was playing like an '80s riffic song. I just can't remember what it There's was. There's some Guns N' Roses song. Yeah. So that we get. I think it's "Welcome to the Jungle." Yeah, it was. No, that, it was. It or was, was that in the beginning? No, it was Welcome to the Jungle in this one, I think. Right here is where it was. Maybe? I don't know. I don't remember. It's all just a wash in Guns N' Roses. Except for the credits, which is where you got Dio. But, yeah. which, which made the most sense of anything. You're like, why did we not get Rainbow in the Dark anywhere until the credits? Like, what the F? But, yeah. The, 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 suddenly the you, kids, have, you have a kid wielding a teddy form. bear that's basically Mjolnir. And they're, like, that's, beating that's, these shadow beasts to death. My favorite like, one is, like, the kid with the teddy bear just standing there just shooting laser, shooting lightning bolts out of this bear's eyes. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's fantastic. He just made a small army of Thors. Uh, and... <laughs> but it's all too and late. Stormbreaker is still jealous and will not... Yeah, not will not, listen to him. will not listen to him. Stormbreaker's just jealous and butthurt AF and will not he's just like, Stop it and Stormbreaker's like opening the Bifrost into eternity. And it, it doesn't matter. It's all too late. And the portal gets opened even though like Jane comes to try and help and it, it doesn't matter. Uh yeah. I mean she does a really cool, like, you know, ass kicking thing. She kicks uh, more ass than any of them, and it is just like it doesn't matter. 
Gore, even though Gore loses, he wins. Uh, yeah, because he gets to walk straight through because Jane starts feeling bad again. Or, because yeah. Jane just died. Like, basically, she dies. <laughs> yeah. she Yeah, she starts dying. They they try to say goodbye. And I, at that point in the movie, I thought Gore was going to, like, do a wish to, like, bring Jane back to life. See, and that was... Instead, my prediction yeah. coming into this was going to be, because we all know the storyline of Gore, and it was going to be that he sees Jane acting so with so much valor and so heroically that it turns his mind that not all gods are, mm. you know, what he thinks they are. Which we kind of <laughs> get that, but that's where I thought it was going to go. I was like, she dies, no matter what. I was like, she has to die. But we like, get her, a... Her sacrifice yeah. was going to change Gore's mind. We do get instead a wish that does make sense. When I thought about it a little bit more, I was like, yeah, he wishes for his daughter to come back. Yeah, so we get in. He's mortally wounded, no matter what, and like stumbles through the, the Bifrost hole to eternity. And then it's, uh, suddenly we're in, uh, as we discovered from Natalie Portman in an interview, we're in a Best Buy parking lot. <laughs> it is just all white with some water, and you get like the most comics accurate representation of eternity that could have ever been done. It's yeah. just like the silhouette of this omnipotent being and the silhouette is filled with stars and galaxies, which is uh, like exactly as eternity is always I, portrayed. I will say like since Ragnarok, like Taika Waititi has not been afraid to go curb balls to the wall. Kirby in his, yeah, he'll show you stuff. the weird shit. He's just like, no, I mean, we're going here. Yeah. Get ready, uh, guys. But, but they do... Um, Gore's there. He's at Eternity's feet. He gets to make the wish. And Thor is behind, like, just a little ways behind him, holding, like, Jane has been forced out of Mighty Thor and is just, is Jane Foster's weak body literally in her last moments. Yeah, he he does look at him and goes like, fine, do it. Make whatever your wish. If you're going to kill me... I'm going to have my last few moments be with the with the person I love, with this mortal. And it's enough to, to kind of change his perception, I guess. Uh, yeah, and like Jane is basically, the, what is it? I can't remember. She's something about love. Yeah. But, and, and Thor is like, you know, I choose to, I choose to spend my final moments with love. Yeah. And then that's when, like, everyone's all teary-eyed, and Gore makes his wish. And then you see it; the camera pans down into the reflection in the water, and you see suddenly a silhouette, very creepy, like the most terrifying thing I will say I've actually ever seen in an MCU movie. And you see Eternity in the silhouette of a little girl with these massive white eyes. And yeah, then the essentially. Yeah, the camera pans back up, and it's Gore's daughter. And so Eternity Gore. has morphed himself. It, like, it didn't bring, I guess, technically didn't bring Gore's daughter back, but became Gore's daughter. Yeah. To fulfill this wish. And uh, Jane gets, uh, gets an Odin send-off as she just turns to gold dust and disappears. In in Thor's arms, but you had the moment right before she did, where like Gore's in his dying moments, looking for some reassurance that someone will be around to take care of this girl. And Jane and Thor are both like, "Yeah, he'll do it." <laughs> yeah, and and Thor agrees to be to to be Dad Thor. 
to be to be that baby daddy. And yes, we we end with I feel one of the more accurate depictions of fatherhood as I've seen. Uh, yes, it, it all... just like making pancakes, sitting down for the kid. I don't like these. You've not had them. Eat it. <laughs> and then she... I want to wear boots. <sighs> and then she blasts cosmic purple blasts at him and destroys the fry pan. <laughs> He's just more annoyed that he have to get a new pan. Yeah. And then you get this, like, great him giving her kind of a stern talking to about, you know, like he's getting her ready for school. He's like, well, yeah. if you see, if you see another, you see someone getting made fun of or picked on, you've got to help stand up for them and all <laughs> this stuff as he's strapping on her boots and all these things. And then they're getting ready. And then he's, he holds up Mjolnir and she summons Stormbringer. Stormbreaker. And then they're they're going at they like run out of a ship and there's like a clear battle starting outside and one side is very much going to overpower the other like the one side's like two huts with some aliens with sticks and the other side's like a modern like sci-fi army. It's like so we're gonna protect those and you're gonna go we're gonna fight those guys okay. And then it plays Guns and Roses as they. They fly out there to go kick ass together, and it says as love and thunder, because she is the the universal embodiment of love, which apparently eternity morphed itself into. Uh, yeah. But all in all, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun, dumb action comedy, like in in like yeah, a great in that school movie. of things that I enjoy. If we want to get in the controversy of why people hate it, I don't know why they hate it. I loved it. It was a great summer movie. Casey? I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah. I'd watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Bob like, had a I, conversation I'm... as to we can't figure out why people hate it. Otherwise, like, the biggest complaint is people are like, oh, it doesn't take, you know, cancer <laughs> and all this stuff seriously. It's like, well, in Thor The Dark World, it was decided no one wants a serious Thor movie. Like, mm. yeah, someone's like, oh, it's too, like, I, I've, I've seen complaints like it's too jokey, and all I could think of was like, yeah, but we all loved Ragnarok, and Ragnarok was, was also jokey. It like, was this 98% is just, jokes. Yeah, like, this is just the same thing. It's, it's, it's not a different movie. It just has a different set of themes. It's serious when it needs to be, but there's enough jokes to cut that stuff up, because you need yeah. to. Otherwise, it becomes a drama, which clearly no one wants in the MCU. <laughs> No. Uh, Especially with, you know, over-the-top Shakespearean Thor. Uh, that's it. You get, like, the couple... Uh, uh, what's the first... Uh, there's two post-credit scenes. Well, I, almost a post-credit scene. I almost want to call it that. It's like the like one of the parting shots is you see Korg with his apparent uh, lover. Mm. Yeah. What was his the name? The big stone mustache. Yeah, or something is another one. It's another one Brad. of the species. Yeah, Brad, who has just like this giant mustache, and it shows them do it like starting the big handshake over a volcano. Uh, and you're like, I like this. I want. I want but, Korg baby. Yeah, but there's uh, um, with a beautiful mustache. Uh, what are the post credit scenes in this? Because there's so the first one, the mid the mid-credit scene. Yes, the there's reveal. the one that we want to talk about, and there's yeah. some other one that also happened. But the the look, the important one is they bring in Hercules, and it's played by Roy Kent. 
It's not What's Brett. His actual it, name? His, his name's not Brett. It's Roy Kent. Roy no, Kent. no. Roy Kent. Yeah, Roy Kent is playing Hercules, who is... Which I almost jumped up. I, I was almost alone in a the theater because I was seeing it at like 3 o'clock in like buttfuck nowhere, Kentucky. And if there hadn't been those three other people, I would have jumped up and be like, he's here, he's there, he's, there. he's every he's fucking where, he's where, where Roy Kent. Kent. Uh, with with like a very CGI set of muscles, he, he's, <laughs> he's even with the CGI muscles, he's very scrawny, and it doesn't make any like you're seeing this. I'm like, I don't care that he's scrawny Hercules and supposed to be like on par with or above Thor, but I was like, I'm I'm just fucking rolling with it that he's in the MCU and I'm just yeah. gonna love it. <laughs> but the only thing I thought would have worked better. Is if because I can say it, it shows that Zeus is not dead. He's he's just sitting there tending his his big chest because we wound. we had established very much throughout the first quarter of this movie that the only thing that can kill a god is all black the necro sword. Yeah, but because he attacked Zeus, he Zeus is wounded. Yeah, his he pride is his, hurt. He asked his son Hercules to go deal with this. He goes, "Yes, father." Well, and all I could think of what it should have been instead was. Fuck you. Yeah. Hmm. Or fuck off. Yeah. Or call them cunts. <laughs> Just headbutt them real quick and then walk off. But it was now it's Zeus is like building it up. It's like they, you know, the mortals used to fear us. We need to we need to put that fear back in them. We the, I, the humans will fear us again, and it's like making Hercules swear to do this. Which what I would love is just like very beginning of the next next time he shows up is just he's not trying to do that he's instead just going nah he is wrong these guys are cool i'm gonna go drink with these humans because <laughs> that is very much in marvel comics hercules territory who is just sitting there like he is dumb boy the dumb thor that we have come to love is hercules, hercules yeah is hercules he is uh he he just falls ass backwards into things, and if he can't punch his way out of it, he will just kind of like, all right, whatever. Uh, was an Avenger for a while. He likes a good <laughs> time. I mean, he, come on. He's he's not you know he's not he's not your brains of the operation, but you you liquor that man up and you throw him at danger, and he will fucking kill it. He's basically Party Thor from that episode of What If. <laughs> he is just like, what what do we do? Just just pour some. Pour some mead, ale, beer, whatever down that man's throat. Shake, and then just throw him like a hand grenade at the enemy. And he's like, "All right, let's go." Get him some Everclear. Yeah, it's <laughs> good to go. Uh, but all in all, like I enjoyed the the, the Thor movie. I thought Very it was. Much I thought so. it was. We had the full post credit scene uh, in Valhalla. That's the other one. Yeah, where you see Idris Elba. Yes. Uh, uh, welcome Jane to Heim Valhalla. Heimdall welcomes Jane to Valhalla to show us in her time when she did take up the mantle of Thor with Mjolnir, she became a god. Yeah. She did die outside of a battlefield, but. Well, no, she died in the battle. Like, well, within... she died in the battle, but like, in the same, you know, same bit of, you know, uh, leeway that they were saying it got Sif. Like, that's what I'm like. Thor is just wrong. That's just generally well, no, how you can. Sif was like hours out of the battle. Laying there dying, whereas they were in the immediate throes of battle. Like it had just. It my my headcanon for that was literally just uh, uh, Thor was wrong. But that is also viable. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, that was a uh, uh, that was the other one. Uh, I did. We figured out how to uh, because our TV is too old to put uh, Apple TV on a Android product TV. Mm. Uh, however, the Xbone, the Xbox, whatever version of Xbox it is, has Apple TV Plus, and so we put it on there. And I I showed Adam the first episode of uh, Ted Lasso, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, okay." I was like, I like this one does a lot of the legwork of like setting stuff up. Most of your jokes are not in the first episode. No, that's a, uh, the first episode. You're, the first two episodes, you're still thinking it's going to be some kind of quasi serious thing. He and it's still well, kinda he, he he looked at me. He was like, like so. I guess she's like actively rooting against. Okay, two things. One, she he thought that Ted's wife and uh, 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 what is the the owner's name? Says. Uh, Rebecca. Rebecca. Uh, he thought they were the same person. I was like, well, <laughs> why? He's like, well, he's like, the only similarity they have is they're both blonde. It's because they're both blonde. He's they, face blind. I, I literally almost like, Are you face blind, Adam? Do you just not know what people look like? Um, but All women the are the same to him. Come on. No, I'm, I'm very much kidding. Yeah. Uh, but it was a, uh, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it going like, hmm. it's a lot of, there's a lot of real subtle jokes that go on in that first episode that I do find like, you know, generally very funny. Like you know, Nate trying to come back upstairs to try to reintroduce everyone, and then realizing that they've already started talking, he just runs back down. Uh, but yeah, apparently I'm doing Ted Lasso all say, the way through again. Yeah. So that leads us to the question: Who would Nate be? the MCU if you were to be introduced? The burning ah. question. Mephisto? <laughs> bum, What's bum, that? Bum. I said Mephisto? Bum, bum, bum. Oh. Would, uh, see, I was trying to think of what's the... the uh, he'd be a great Lakes Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be like 2D Man or... Uh, yeah. Yeah, you... No, that's perfect. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so yeah, there, there's Thor. Uh, loved it. It was just a great, great uh, summer popcorn movie. I don't understand why there's such hate around it. Have you guys <laughs> seen any of the Comic Con stuff to come out yet? Oh yes, uh, I forgot to announce the rest of that. I had the uh, Marvel Studios thread up on Reddit where they're discussing it. Comic Con Day Two. All right, let's. Uh, do we want to run through this real quick? Uh, sure. Apparently, right beforehand, someone pulled a fire alarm, and the fire marshal was out on stage uh, in Hall H before the Marvel panel. Sizzle reel uh, with a Miss Minutes jump scare. Uh, Kevin Feige came on stage three years ago since they'd last been there, yada, yada, yada. Uh, phase four is over after Wakanda Forever. And Quantumania will ring in Phase 5, uh, followed by uh, Secret Invasion, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Echo in the summer, but we are now Loki Season 2, which is filming now. I'm very excited for that. I don't know how Secret Invasion is going to work as a movie. It's not going to be a movie. It's going to be a series on Disney+. Plus. Never mind. <laughs> so I'm, I'm even less excited. Uh, hmm. The Marvels in July, which will be a movie. I'm excited for that. Uh, and Blade in November 3rd. 
that's uh, that's 2023 next year. Uh, Ironheart that fall. Daredevil Born Again. It'll be 18 episodes with Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. Spring 2024. And the newly renamed Agatha Coven of Chaos. Oh, uh, not House of Harkness? Yeah, they, re- they changed the name. Uh, in winter 2023-2024. Uh, Captain America New World Order on May 3rd, 2024. I'm confused. Like, What's the New World Order going to be? Are we doing some kind of Dark Reign? timeline here you think it's going to come in with thor wwe (laughs) i'm trying to think i'm really just like grasping it okay we've gone through hydra what other what other entity can be reaching for control of everything and the only thing to think of is they introduce osborne and well i mean the you think they are doing like the Thunderbolts movie. So yeah, follow up right after that. I don't know if it's going to be a movie or series, but Thunderbolts will cut premiere on July 26, 2024. Norman Osborn was a big part of uh, the Thunderbolts stuff. Yeah. So that'll be the well, end later. of Thunderbolts is going to be the end of phase five. Hmm. So uh, let's take from that. I don't So that's going to be the culmination of phase five is Thunderbolts. So that's going to be where whatever big bad is taken care of. I, yeah. I, I don't think they have a, a clear, well, they, they probably do have a clear plan by now, but they have, they have not quite communicated to set that. That, that. Yeah. Oh, well, um, so, uh, they revealed a new she Hulk trailer, a new captain America logo, and uh, said Daredevil will return in She-Hulk. Oh well, that yeah, that was that's been expected, I guess. Lawyers and lawyers. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but it's also, easy. all I'm thinking of is like Daredevil looking at She-Hulk and just going, "Yeah, all right, let's do this." Some snoo snoo. Some snoo snoo. How much? How much snoo snoo is going to be in She-Hulk? I, I put a, the most Disney Plus we'll see. Well, as I say, you also have to remember it's Disney Plus. Which they just put uh, <laughs> the Deadpool movies and Logan in. Mm. And apparently, like, a bunch of mother groups came out angry about. And oh, for as, fuck's sake. As many articles pointed out, apparently these groups lack the ability to include themselves in their children's lives or to set the parental controls. Right. <laughs> Which Disney Plus very clearly allows when they won't let the Baymax show be shown in a kid's account. We have to go into our adult's account for Emmett to watch it. Which, what's but, the reasoning? But, I don't know. Oh, well, oh, well okay, we can So guess. the Baymax show has a whole episode where Baymax is helping a girl through her first period. Oh, yeah, okay. And that's when I was just like a standing applause that Disney's like, no, you all didn't like us mentioning periods and turning red. We're doubling down. Go fuck yourself. This is <laughs> as Baymax even says, and he's like, "Why?" He's like, "Why are you ashamed of this? This is a normal biological process." He's like, "This is just biology." It is just biology, and then you're just like, "You want to give it a standing ovation to be like, yeah, a giant fucking balloon robot is right. It's just biology. Why is this a fucking issue?" And then there's also the uh, the. Oh, there's a gay thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, a fishmonger 
has a thing for what is he? What is what's the other dude? The, like, like an apple vendor. Like he makes he's apple like an sauce. apple vendor. <laughs> yeah, he sells applesauce. Which I had to lean to Brittany and be like, by applesauce, he means the D. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, if you want some real organic applesauce, just come see me down at my stand. And then suddenly Lindor was like, by organic applesauce, he means the D. Because it was clear they were flirting. Uh, that's all. They just make a flirt clear. But I'm guessing because of that, the Baymax show has to be listed under an adult's account. I guess. So I'm assuming Logan and the Deadpool movies are only accessible through an adult account. Hmm. I don't know. Hello, Kitty Cat. Hello, Kitty Cat. I think we've uh, we've talked on it long enough. I feel like we probably need to wrap up and end the stream. Or wrap God, you it's up. 11. Yeah, that's the reason. If you want some great resources, you can. <laughs> we already did that bit. <laughs> you want to see my cat's proud of Ringwood? <laughs> We've all Look seen it. Look. All right. There's a crowdfunding to get the little like cat anus jewels to put over all your cat's tails <laughs> to hide their anuses. I mean, so we would wear them. We're polite. Like how so you're on part two of the day nine place stray? Yeah. Yeah. Further than we are. We need to get caught up. All right. Free the anus. So funny. Is that in the like I I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, wait, how how no. into cats is this? Is it causing like the cat to show its anus to the camera at every chance? Hmm. I know there's no, there's no cat <laughs> anus that I saw on the actual game. Mark's against it for that. Apparently it's not Alan, realistic. Yeah. Apparently, Alan Tudyk is going to be playing Al, uh, Optimus Prime. Is he really? He says, uh, they announced it. Uh, I'll be playing a more long-haul trucker, more big rig than before. I, I'm Alan, never surprised at any announcement involving Alan Tudyk. I thought you were going to say Alan Tudyk did the cat in Stray. <laughs> uh, I was going to be like, yeah, tracks. Yes, I, he, I could see him on like, the mocap stage I, doing cat stuff, being like, I went, I went to, to Juilliard. Juilliard. <laughs> <laughs> Literally not surprisingly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh All let's right. go ahead and call it here. Yep, that's Good night, everybody. For the show. <laughs> night, y'all. Everybody. Okay. End the stream. That's how you know cats love me. <laughs>